Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. Raise your hand if you'd be upset that Nelly got her head cut off. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood. My name is Amy and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister Jenny, born in 1974. Today we're going to continue our look at Walnut Grove with Little House on the Prairie, Season 3, Episode 5, The Monster of Walnut Grove. Jen? On Halloween night, Laura and Mary get permission from their parents to walk into town and pull off a little prank at the mercantile. Laura's imagination runs wild when she peeks into the Olsen's window and witnesses Nell's committing an unspeakable crime. Scarred by what she's seen, Laura can't seem to get anyone to believe her. Okay. Um, I want to take a minute here, Jen, and just welcome. We have a lot of new listeners. So we want to say welcome to Gen X This Is Why. Uh, every Monday you're going to get some Little House on the Prairie, but we also throw little bonuses out every once in a while. We do some blockbusters. Jenny, what's your favorite blockbuster that we've done so far? Movie. I liked Halloween. You did. You did. I, even though Howard the Duck was the worst movie to sit through ever, <laughs> I never laughed so hard as I did when we were recording that uh, blockbuster episode. So we've done some of your favorite and our favorite 80s movies, and we're going to continue to keep doing that. And we're also going to be throwing some extras in. So uh, welcome. We hope you enjoy it. And uh, that's it. Should we just say welcome, Amy's and Jennifer's? Yeah, we should. Oh, my God, guys. There are like 15 Amy's in our (laughs) Facebook group. If you want to join our Facebook group, it's called the Mimi Bees. And all you have to do is find us on Facebook. It's Gen X. This is why. Find us on Facebook and you will uh, see the link to our group right there on the page where it's all Amy's and Jenny's. That's it. Jennifer, Amy, you're It's kind of weird and creepy. It is creepy, but it's so familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's get into it then, shall we? So let's just say up ahead of time, uh, director William Claxton... This guy's making a name for himself. <laughs> and uh, another new writer, John Hawkins. I haven't mm-hmm, seen it. Like, mm-hmm. They're going through writers like mad on the show. And let me say, too, even though Jenny and I pick apart a lot of this, we love this show. <laughs> we love these people. We love this show. We love the books. We love the whole little house 
universe. However, like typical Gen Xers, like we just can't help but notice these imperfections <laughs> and the writing tends to yeah. be one of them. Season two, though, I feel like was really strong with the writing. See, I thought season three was starting off strong, but it's starting to take a turn. Well, it's very melodramatic. I mean, we've already had Carrie in a mine shaft. We've but had Nellie down the hill in the wheelchair. But I thought those were like this, right? The writing has changed. The writing is lower. The writing and the directing is lower quality in this one. William Claxton. Can we discuss? Tell everybody what you found. So my friend who listens to this pod sent me a link to Night of the Lepus. And what is it? It's like the Latin for rabbits, right? Lepus. Yes, yes. It's directed by William Claxton. It's a 1972 American science fiction horror film. It's based on the science fiction novel, The Year of the Angry Rabbit. Hmm. And it concerns an infestation of mutated rabbits. We might oh have my to, God. We might have to watch this just to rip on our buddy William Claxton. Uh, and it's a movie about mutated rabbits. I know. I feel like that's been done before. A sentence I never thought I would say about mutated rabbits. I mean, it's gremlin-ish. Oh, I love gremlins. Guys, come at me. Jenny and I had an argument over whether or not Gremlins qualifies as a Christmas movie. It doesn't. It does. No. It does. Nope. Okay. All right. Very similar to our latest blockbuster episode, Halloween. The opening scene of this episode is just a long shot on a (laughs) jack-o'-lantern with some eerie music that goes on way too long. Way too long. We open on Laura reading Carrie a bedtime story, and she's reading The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. So she's reading the entire story. And I have a little just note about this. A lot of people confuse this story and think Ichabod Crane is the Headless Horseman. No, he's not. He's, he's a not. Detective he's the victim. Oh, he's, is he the, the Headless Horseman? Oh, I thought he was a detective. No, they're like a, in, he has a rival for this woman's hand in marriage. Right. And right. People suspect that the rival was actually the Headless, the headless horseman, horseman, but the Headless yeah, Horseman, uh, you know, does away with him. Okay. That's a great book and movie. Yes. So Laura and Mary are getting ready, Jen, to go out on mischief night. Really? Well, they don't say mischief night, though. They say the night before Halloween. Did they? Or did yes. they say Halloween? No, they say the night before Halloween. Oh, shit. Then I fucked up my index card. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, I didn't get ready up, for that. I thought they were going out on. I mean, it doesn't matter really, but okay. I thought they were going out on Halloween. Right. I'm like, why aren't they trick or treating? Maybe trick or treating wasn't a thing, and I just, I just gave a spoiler to my index card. Right, spoiler. <laughs> so once Laura finishes reading the story to Carrie, and Carrie wants to go with them on mischief night, and Laura's like, no. All I said is, like, Carrie, have we learned? Has anyone learned nothing? Wait, has no one learned nothing from the No, last... has no one learned anything? <sighs> has no one learned anything? <laughs> Sometimes I have to walk her through grammar, guys. <laughs> grammar is exhausting. <laughs> has like no she has to learned... walk me through math. <laughs> has no one learned anything from the last episode where Carrie tagged along and we ended up on an all-night friggin' digging expedition? <laughs> True. All right, so Pa tells the girls they need to be home by 9.30. And Jen, they should use the moon to tell the time. Wow. Wow. And he says, when the moon peaks over the treetops, it'll be about 9 and time to start heading home. Jen, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. If Dad told you you'd have to be home at 9.30 and to just use the moon as your guide, what time would you come home? 
uh, when the moon was high in the sky. Yeah, like three in the morning, I'd come home and be like, oh, I thought, you know. I don't know, know. it looked like it was at the horizon from Mm -hmm, the angle mm -hmm, I was looking at. mm -hmm. Then I have, oh my God, they are walking in the pitch dark. Like they're walking to town in the dark. Uh, I'm just freaked out that they walk in the pitch dark to town. I know. I could never do it. On Halloween. No, no, no. They are apparently going to soap the windows of Olsen's Mercantile at the behest and encouragement of Nels, which is weird. Well, I guess it's giving the kids a a specific prank (laughs) to play instead of letting them run wild. I guess. So once they leave. I have an index card. Ugh. Okay. So I I didn't realize they were out on mischief night. I thought they were out on Halloween. So this is about like the history of trick or treating and when that started in the United States. So bear with me. Okay. So when did kids start trick or treating in the United States? So there's lots of, can I guess, can I guess, can I guess? Yes. Hold on one second. There's lots of different influences and histories like coming in from all over the place, like the Caribbean, Mexico, like there's lots of cultures that have, what started in mo- like Halloween, most places is like the, the, not the worship of the dead, but like the remembrance of the dead or the honoring of the dead. This is specifically about the history that influenced the colonists and later the widespread adoption in the U.S. Halloween has its roots in Samhain, which is the pre-Christian Celtic holiday from about 2000 years ago. If you're Wiccan, you celebrate Samhain. <laughs> Guys, guys, we've talked about Jenny. <laughs> Let's just Jenny has gone through some weird fucking phases. She was Wiccan. You were Wiccan. I was Wiccan and yep. vegetarian for four years. I'm vegetarian again, but this was when I was like 17 through I don't know, like 16 through 20, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, okay. So, guys, you came into my bedroom as a child. Like as a teenager and like my room was yellow and I had nice furniture and John Lennon and Beatles posters everywhere. You went into Jenny's room. It was dark purple, black furniture. She had like all these crazy like anarchist posters all over the place. <laughs> what are shit anarchist all over posters? the place. Like what the, are anarchist the anarchy posters? symbol. I feel like I did not have a poster with the anarchy symbol on it. But okay. She had Wiccan shit all over the place. <laughs> Yeah. Um, then I went through like a Buddhist phase after that, which was really that makes more sense to me. Yeah, that's totally. that's. I agree with that. Okay. So anyway, <clears throat> as I was saying, um, so during Samhain, villagers would pay homage to the dead by disguising themselves in animal skins to drive away bad phantoms, and they would put out food to placate unwelcome spirits. So this was kind of that. You know, they they uh, they had sacrifices and bonfires to the dead. They wore animal skins as disguises, you know, so the, the dressing up is starting. And this was October 31st to what would have been October 31st. So um, where was I? Oh, in the Middle Ages, people dressed up as ghosts, started dressing up as ghosts and demons and performing antics for food. So that's kind of when you start to like. Okay, I'm going to do this thing to get another thing. They're not really going door to door or anything like that, but right. that's where you start to see that come in. This custom was known as mumming. Mum, mum, mum. Mummy? Oh Thank you. <laughs> Walking her through the English language again. <laughs> it was the ancestor of trick or treat. 
that's considered the ancestor of of modern day trick or treating Mm -hmm. by the ninth century christianity took over and november the second was established as all saints day poor people because of course by now you have like you know class classism Mm -hmm. poor people would visit wealthy homes and collect what were called soul cakes in exchange for praying for dead loved ones and this was called souling wow Weird, right? That's kind of weird. This practice was later taken up by children who would go door to door and ask for food. So that's when you start to really see like kids now going door to door. Later in Scotland and Ireland, they started dressing up and performing versus praying, um, telling a joke or other trick. So hmm. so now and, you're and having to work for your shit. Now you're working for it. Um, it modern day trick-or-treating has elements akin to Guy Fox night. In which mm. British children wore masks while begging for pennies. <laughs> On November 5th, 1606, Fox was executed for his role in the conspiracy to blow up England's parliament and uh, removing James I, who is the great, great, great grandfather of Bonnie Prince Charlie. Mm. Thank you. There we go. There we go. <laughs> we made it. So while the colonists recognized All Hallows Eve, um, although the Puritans were strongly against it, um, it was part of their calendar. Um, it wasn't wide. It wasn't celebrated in a widespread way in the America in the in America until the Irish immigrants migrated during the potato famine. So the potato famine was like mid 1840s. So it was like by by this time it was widespread in the U.S. Yeah. The end. Fascinating. I tied it back to Bonnie Prince Charlie. I'll try that every time with every index okay, card. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We hear Carrie cry out from her bedroom. <laughs> She's scared, Jen. And upon Carolyn's questioning, oh, I just said Carolyn. I didn't okay. say Caroline. Uh-oh. Hmm. That's a thing in the Mimi Bees. We're I talking about Carolyn, it. but I did just want to disagree with everyone. Yeah, yeah. No one had picked Carolyn, so I picked yeah. it. So, Jenny, we discover that what what's Carrie afraid of? Her own feet. Oh, God. I'm like, but to be fair, like, was it like an Evil Dead 2 situation? <laughs> like, where her feet were possessed by an evil demon? Well, you know, they could have given us something. Like, later she wakes up and she sees something moving and it's Jack. Okay, that uh-huh. makes sense. How did Jack get under there? This makes sense. No and that sense. was way too small for Jack. I know. That lump in the bed. I thought it was a rat. <laughs> No, might as well be. Okay, at Olson's, the windows are already soaped, and Laura and Mary are. Mary's pissed that they're late. Somehow it's Laura's fault. Well, I like how Mary's making it like a job. Of course she is. We needed to soap these windows, and now there's nothing. (laughs) Mary, relax and have some fun. So Laura sneaks around back to see if she can vandalize anything back there. When she does, she spies, and I have to say, I vividly remember this scene from when I was a kid. She spies Nels and Harriet having an argument over money, and they keep referring to a she. And the context, like, taken out of context, it kind of sounds like Nels has a mistress. You keep giving her this money, blah, 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 blah. Nels is standing what ne- up next to what appears to be Harriet, sitting with her back to the window, and apparently they're fighting over Nels and some swords. Harriet is calling the swords tin. And Nels is like, they're from my family coat of arms or something. 
I didn't think Nels came for money. Where is he getting swords? I have no clue. Are they military? Like, is he maybe it's military? I don't know. But Jen, Nels has had enough. So he pulls out the sword and he chops Harriet's head off. <laughs> this is what Laura sees. Laura shrieks and runs, but Nels hears her and comes out to confront her. <laughs> this is the weirdest thing because at first I'm like, is Nels did like the way he talks to her is so strange. I'm like, is he? Is he punking her? Like, is he like right. playing a prank on no, her? Is he trying no. to make her think that he cut Harry's head off because he knew that she saw that? It's just that poorly written, Jim. <laughs> I know. I realized that later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says to Laura, like, I guess you saw what happened. And he explains that he lost his temper and he just had to show her. He just had to. And then the thing that he says that really is weird yes. is to keep it a secret. That's the weird part. Like, if he had just said all that, it would be like, okay, whatever. But then he says, let's keep this a Why? And you should never say to a kid, let's keep this a secret. Like, no. no what is happening? Like, nope, that never. is never. And never. then he says, we're friends, right? Ew, it got so creepy. It was creepy. It so creepy. It was creepy. <laughs> So I thought he was like messing with her, like to make her think that it was Harriet, even though he knew, you know, like he knew she saw the mannequin. And I thought he was messing with her to make her think it was Harriet. Well, that would have made sense. That would have made sense. Yeah, like, because no. I'm like, but I was also like, that's so diabolical and horrible to do to a kid. <laughs> yeah, like, Nels wouldn't do that. Right. It was so out of character for him. That's why I was like, I don't understand what, like, that whole scene that whole sentence and scene was really completely out of character for us yep yep well just like we had caroline breaking down at the mine like now we have nels all menacing they're ignoring their characters like they're yep they're just the actors must have been like what is going on guys (laughs) like was caroline was karen glasson like last episode like caroline would not break down and freak out like this are you crazy i don't know So Laura grabs Mary and they run home. And inside Jen, we see Harriet is not headless. Right. But she's trying to reattach the head to a dressmaker's dummy. So Nels bought a dressmaker's dummy that looks just like his wife. Was this to practice the swords on? No, I think it's to model the dresses in the store. Oh, that explains what happens later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That wasn't clear. Because I'm like, I thought it was, well, I, when they were saying like a dress dummy, I thought it was like for them to fit Harriet's dresses too. No, I don't think so. Like instead of her doing fittings, like I mm-hmm. thought that's what they were for. I don't think so, but I'm not 100% sure. It was very unclear. Mm-hmm. It was very unclear. Guys, come at us if it's in the books. Because <laughs> then I'm, I feel like none of this is in the books. None of this is in the books. I feel like I thought he was doing like practice. I thought he got a dummy that looked like Harriet to practice swords on. <laughs> it's just so out of character that Nels would be a swordsman. It's weird. <laughs> this is also weird. Okay. So Nels tells Harriet, hey, this dummy doesn't talk as much as you do or something like that. And then he says he's changed his mind. She can go home and see her mother. The whole time he's talking to her, he's like coming at her with the sword. So it's just, well, and then he like, that was part of why I thought he was doing this whole plot on Laura. Cause then he sends Miss Olsen away bright and early the next morning. And I thought that was part of, wait, now who would go that far for a practical joke on a child? I would. You would. 
Yeah. I would. A hundred percent. I love scaring children. I've said it a million times. Scaring a kid is the greatest thing ever. Wow. I would have done it in a heartbeat. But I thought that's what he was doing because he's sending Miss Olsen out of town bright and early. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, Nels is like diabolical. Yes, absolutely. Switch to Mary chasing Laura through the woods in the pitch black. And there's some wolf hollowing and owls. There's a lot of that. <laughs> when he when she catches her, Laura tells Mary what she saw. And Mary, she just comes out with it. Mary, I saw Nels cut Harriet's head off. Mary does not believe this, of course. And the girls run home and Laura tries to tell Pa. So Laura's trying to tell Charles and Caroline, but they won't have it. All she can get out is that she saw somebody cut somebody else's head off. To be fair, I mean, what what would you do if your kid came home and was like, I saw someone cut someone's head off? Well, let's let's talk about let's, this. Let's say it's not 2020. Let's talk about this. <laughs> when we were kids, we thought we saw one of our neighbors kill and bury his wife. We thought we saw him bury now, his Now, what wife. did we see? Nothing. We saw some dude with a shovel. We saw him in the backyard at night with the shovel, which goes back to an earlier episode <laughs> where I said, if you ever want to kill your spouse, dig that grave in the middle of the day, pretend you're planting a tree. When you're out digging in your yard at night, immediate suspicion. It's suspicious, but what we saw was suspicious. Yeah, but I don't even know if we saw him digging. We probably saw him taking the trash out. <laughs> he was digging a I hole feel, in his backyard. I think we saw him digging in the front yard. I don't know. Who I, knows? I think, he I could have been using was, a pooper sco- a shovel to scoop up dog poop and throw I it. I think it had something to do with, do you remember when we had all those pipes laid through the neighborhood that were filling the mines with concrete? Yeah. I feel like it had something to do with that. He was out near that doing something. I don't know. But we had this, in front of his yard. this whole legend that Hank had killed Mary. Like, this was a whole thing. Yeah, but Mary was around after that. Nell, and well, we Mary knew that got- because on Mischief Night, our neighbor Brian egged their house with them sitting right on the front porch. What they idiot. were not visible. <laughs> and then suddenly... They both came running after him. So we survived. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know how I would react if my kids came home and said this. First of all, no one's going to believe this because whose life would this be? First of all, and this, I'm just going to talk about this now and get it out of the way. My kids would not come home and very calmly say, Exactly. (laughs) I saw X chop X's head off. Your they kids would, would be, be shaking, they would mess. be hysterical, <laughs> which is the appropriate reaction when you witness a murder. Yes. Okay. Yes. I just want to get that clear. Okay. Yes. And have been confronted by the murderer. <laughs> yes. Yes. And well, these I are guess... people you're close to. Like, you know them well. Well, and that, like, you just, this isn't a realistic thing that happens unless, I guess we should just throw the story in here because... This actually did happen. Yes, Jenny and I grew up with this kind of shit. Our grandmother, as with the same delivery that she would tell you, you know, oh, I married your grandfather in a small church and blah, 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 blah. She would say, my friend's father cut her mother's head off with an axe. Well, she said, this is how it was delivered. This is how we found out about this. We were adults. Like, we were No, she used to tell us that story when we were little. I was older. 
I remember it very I was definitely older. She lived on Wood Street when I heard it the first time. Oh, I didn't hear it that early. Mm -hmm. You must have heard it before I did. Mm -hmm. The way I heard it was she was telling a story about something and she mentioned this friend. And it was something about like where they used to work. And she was saying, blah, 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 Dolores. I'm sure her name was Dolores or Dorothy or something Mm -hmm. like that. And she was like, she's the one who her, her, father cut her mother's head off with an axe and i was like and then she goes and, and continues on <laughs> and with like, the story and she's like and they would make us do this piece work and like because she was she worked in a dress factory and i was like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute i'm like what <laughs> what who let me let me just interject and say mimi's you are in luck because i have this on video oh do you mm-hmm. her telling the story yep a year before she died i um interviewed her on video and she was telling me the story about how she met our grandfather and she brought this in. So I will put it in the Mimi B's. I mean, no expression change from the original story when she goes into this. So the little (laughs) girl came home and no, the mother had come home, gave the father her paycheck. Right. And he cut her head off. Wow. With an ax. Whoa. So Jenny and I, when we see this, we know it can happen. (laughs) (laughs) And Graham, you know, I don't know what Graham's reaction was at the time. Because Graham was friends with the girl at the time. Yeah. This isn't somebody she knew later. Right. I don't know if Graham maybe had, maybe she had a Laura expression. Like maybe she was just like, oh crap. It's like maybe people didn't react. (laughs) Maybe emotional reactions. Can we add that to the list? Let's cut somebody's head off with an axe and see. how people react we can do it with the dressmakers dummy um make your kids think it's like a real person yeah 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 yeah. does that sound good sure okay upstairs in the loft back to walnut grove here upstairs in the loft with the creepy pumpkin laura dreams that nels is cutting someone's head off and then randomly we see a barrage of screaming faces we see the olsons and for some reason, guess who's in there, Jen? Carl's Jr. <laughs> Carl's Jr. <laughs> okay. So for our new listeners, Carl's Jr. is Carl. But I thought his name was Carl Jr. And then I was calling him after the fast food restaurant. <laughs> Carl's Jr. But yes, it's Carl that we're thinking of. These dreams are terrible. Like there's like a $2 budget for graphics. For these <laughs> They're terrible. Well, and I like how the screen goes wavy. Like, like Wayne, that's like Wayne's world. Is that Wayne's world yeah. that does that? Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. I mean, between that and the owl and the wolf, it's like Scooby Doo. Like, it's so weird. There is a Scooby Doo. It's element. a Scooby Doo thing. When I was doing a little very preliminary research on the Legend of Sleepy Hollow, just because I wanted to get that right, um, I discovered there was a Smurfs episode of it. Of Sleepy Howl? Wait, what? Yes. They did like a... a oh, they did a Sleepy Howl? They did a movie, but it was the newer Smurfs. And it made me realize how much we loved the Smurfs. Yes, we loved we the We watched Smurfs. them all the time. Yeah. Yep. All right. The next morning, it's Halloween. Nels is sending Harriet off to her mother's house. Harriet doesn't take the stagecoach. Very important. Very important fact. Nels has hired an Uber for her. And sends her away with some weird dude. (laughs) That guy was weird. On the way to school, Jen, Mary's worried she'll fail her spelling test since Laura kept her up all night. You know, because Laura just witnessed a murder. (laughs) 
I was like, fuck, Mary has another test. Like, what weird turn is this going to take? Right. Every she time goes, she has a test, burn the entire down. town down. Laura tells her she was having a nightmare. Mary chides her for some more lying. And then Mary tells Laura to go to the Olsons and see for herself. And Laura's super pissed. And she decides she's going to walk to school with someone else. And that someone else is Carl's Jr. Well, and I have to say, Laura, you threatening to leave the vicinity of your sister is not punishment for her. <laughs> Mary is insufferable. <laughs> Who wants to be near her? Jesus. Okay, so she immediately tells Carl's Jr. about the Olsons. And he doesn't believe it either, even though they're best friends now? Where did that come from? You have to believe. I do not believe everything my best friend says. Oh, wait. If we're talking about Steve Locke, I might. I believe everything my best friend tells me. Okay. Yeah, I do too. If she said she saw a witness, if she witnessed a sword chopping off, I would have to agree. Some of my other friends, not so much. Sure. Sure. Would you believe everything I tell you? No. (laughs) Hard no. Hard no. So Laura's basically getting gaslighted by the whole town at this point. <laughs> totally. Because what they're saying is like, it's not that they don't believe her. They're like, you didn't see it. Yes. You must, right. You're mistaken. Like yes. they're gaslighting her. Carl, Jen, reveal, Carl Jr. reveals that he once thought his shadow was a giant. What is that story? What is that fact? Carl, and he was in the barn at the time. I feel like Carl's Jr. should stay out of the fucking barn. Stay out of that barn. That uh, is the Telltale barn, right? Yes, and that's the barn where he lit off the fireworks, which was so amazing. <laughs> so amazing. Oh, you know what probably happened is he probably walked in front of a flame and like it cast a giant mm-hmm. shadow. Like, Guys, I'm sure that's what happened. If for nothing else, watch Runaway Caboose just to see that part. <laughs> <laughs> you see Edwards come flying out of the house like what the fuck's happening <laughs> yeah they were pissed rightfully so rightfully so okay Carl's Jr. and Laura head over to Mr. Olson's and they ask Mr. Olson where Mrs. Olson is and Nels tells them the exact honest truth that she went to her mother's for a few days to visit and she'll be home soon they leave and then they go and check the stagecoach and guess what Jen nope not it's only Mrs. Foster. Mrs. Foster. I have no idea who the hell that is. So she, said, she does look familiar. I think she works at the post office. Is she involved in the, the post store. office? Mrs. Whipples. I think she works at the post office. So suddenly Carl's Jr. is starting to buy into this bullshit now. Yeah, he's convinced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now he's invested. And is he this says, really talk about getting the sheriff? He says they need a sheriff. But Jen, <laughs> Walnut Grove doesn't have one. I have so many questions about this. Does Walnut Grove just operate on the honor system? Yeah. Yep. Like, just don't break the law? Could you imagine? No. Wow. Nope. Um, they they just get Charles now, and Edward. Now, wait. I want to say something. Carl's Jr. suggests writing to the sheriff in Mankato, and Laura can't because she doesn't have a stamp. I know. So, like, that's it. Crime's going to run So, now Nels gets off because... There's going to be a serial killer in Walnut Grove because there's no stamp. So Can they, we stop calling him Carl Jr.? Please? Can we stop doing that? Sure. <laughs> I hate it. So, Carl... Oh, it's weird to say Carl. <laughs> So Carl says they should wait. And when she never shows up again, like everybody will know. But Laura's like, no, no, no. Mr. Olson's like a murderer. We need to stop him. He's going to strike again. So, Jen, what do they decide to do? Warn Nellie and Willie. Laura, 
Why? Just let it happen. Who cares? Let it happen. Like, why are you always doing good things for these people that continuously treat you badly? Raise your hands. You guys can't see this, but raise your hand if you'd be upset that Nellie got her head cut off. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'll wait. Okay. So she runs up to Willie and Nellie and just says, your father cut your mother's head off. And this is like, very grand orient. This is like the grand story. And they're like, um, yeah, okay, whatever. What? Now, Jenny, how would you react if I was like, dad cut mom's head off? I'd be like, are you off your medication? Right, exactly. At the Olsons, Nels is cooking sauce with Harriet's apron on. So we know where this is going to go. Oh, this is so, like, it, it was literally exhausting to watch. So he, this sp- writing. he spills some blood on there and Jen... Unlike Halloween, where the girl ripped off her entire outfit <laughs> because she spilled something on her. Nels just takes the apron off and wraps well, but it up. To be fair, that's what an apron's for. Right. right. Like, he doesn't have to take his clothes yes. off because yes. he's wearing an apron. Willie and Nellie come home at that exact moment. And Nels asks them to set the table. And they're, like, kind of suspicious. Like, you could tell it's in their head a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> And then Willie says, oh, did he catch this? Willie says, I'm not setting the table. That's girls' work. Yeah. And Nellie's like, no, you're fucking setting the table before I kill you. Then Nellie finds the bloody apron at the same time. And then Nels comes in and he's like menacingly sharpening two sharp knives. Yeah. That was a bad sense. That was a bad sense. Mm -hmm. This is probably the most respect Nels has ever gotten from these two. I know, seriously. Because suddenly he's like, go set the table. They're like, yes, sir. Go do this. Yes, sir. He's right. like, oh, I'm doing something Because they think right. he's a serial killer. Because they think he has killed their mother. <laughs> <laughs> At dinner, Jenny, Nels reveals, oh, he just spilled sauce on the apron. And Willie and Nellie are relieved. And I wrote, Willie and Nellie are relieved that he didn't decapitate their mother in a homicidal rage. <laughs> I mean, you never know what's going on in Walnut Grove. They tell him, like, about the miscommunication with Laura, and he explains what happened, that he, he chopped that off the mannequin. And he's like, I need to clear this up with Laura. And Nellie's all like, I'll do that for you, father. Again, why are people trusting Nellie? Why? Jenny, if someone thought you were a murderer, if I came to you and I said, oh, my God, I was just talking to Samantha, my daughter. She thinks that you killed Steve. She thinks she saw it. And you know what happened. Like, you pushed Steve, but, like, you know, it was a joke or something. She thinks you killed Steve. Would you be like, hmm, can you straighten that out for me, Aim? No. No, I would talk to her. That's something you don't outsource. When you're trying to clear your own name from murder. You don't subcontract that. You don't subcontract that. Not at all. So, I mean, within a split second, Nellie's hatching a plan to scare Laura and Carl. Carl's Jr. She bribes Willie into helping her. I forget how. What does she tell him? She probably threatens him. No. Oh, Oh, she bribes him. She She bribes him. him, And then he's like, I'll take your meat, which there's tons of it sitting on the plate. Why wouldn't he just take it off the main plate? Okay, whatever. With with Nellie and Willie, it's either threatening or bribing. It's always one or the other. Nellie is. I mean, to 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 her defense. Oh my god. Uh oh. To Nellie. <laughs> Wait, Jenny's gonna defend Nellie. Duh. I knew it. Called it. Called it. Third season, episode five. 
there's only a couple things you can use against your younger siblings, like threats and bribery are, you know, main staples of that, of that arsenal. To be fair, we have a friend named Jen, KP. She's in our Mimi Bees. She's in the Mimi Bees. If we knew that she thought I murdered somebody. Oh, we would be all over we that. We would be oh all over God, this. We would be all we over We would it. have played a horrible <laughs> prank on her. So we like, still I not be talking to us. I kind of get it. <laughs> That's true. Like, like we Nell- did this. Nellie's being handed a golden opportunity. <laughs> I almost can't blame her for taking it. Yeah, we would have totally done yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The next, oh, at the Ingalls, Laura is moping around and she finally confides in Carolyn what she saw. And Carolyn handles it well, as usual. And she, she doesn't doubt that Laura saw it, but she says it's probably a trick. Mr. Olson probably saw you coming and it was a trick. Which is the best mm-hmm. weighted response to this yet. Yes. Yeah. So that night, Laura says she buys it, but she really doesn't. And that night, she has another nightmare. And this time, she and Carl's Jr. are at the Olsons. Creepy organ music playing. The, the organ music is like... It's like what I used to play on the organ. Remember yeah, those Casio yeah. keyboards? I would be like... Dah, dah, dah. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. Um, Nels is... I don't know. He looks like Frankenstein? Dracula? I don't know what's it's happening there. Season. Yeah. Not either of those. <laughs> He's like a mashup of those. Um, and he serves them Harriet's head on a platter with carrots and leeks on it <laughs> that I think are supposed to look like snakes. And you know, I wrote Jen just for a second here. This kid is super traumatized. Like, even though we know the truth, she saw this for real. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There was no ambiguity. He chopped right. her head off. Like, with us seeing Hank and Mary, there's a lot of (laughs) supposition, you know, like, what happened here? We don't know. Yeah, Laura saw this with her own eyes. This is clear as day. He chopped that head off. So, Laura had to go to the restroom. Right. And Mary's like, don't move the, don't jump back on this bed when you come back. And Laura gets up and she goes to leave. And then she hears the howling wolf or the owl or whatever the hell is outside. But I mean, that's real. There could be a coyote outside. You have a coyote in your yard, as we learned last episode. Yep. Like, could you imagine having to walk outside to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night? Oh, no. I would have, I would have kidney disease because I would never go. Can I tell you what I would do? I would open the front door. Take two steps to the left, squat, pee, and walk back in the house. <laughs> yeah, like, why do they have to go to the Why outhouse? are they going all the way to the outhouse? My like yard makes- would be so disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> so the next morning, it's like dawn. You hear the rooster. And because, like, that's so on the nose. And Laura comes flying out of the house and runs into the outhouse. Yeah, that was good. All right. Later that morning, Jen, there's a mannequin salesman at Nell's place. And... This mannequin sales, salesman, creepy as fuck. Creepy as fuck. His name's like Thaddeus. The mannequin in a weird way. No, no, he's not Jen. He's rubbing the mannequin. Oh, rubbing it. Yeah. <laughs> By touching in a weird way, I guess I mean to say rubbing. Yes. I wrote. Here's what I wrote. The salesman is rubbing her. They keep calling the mannequin her. Well, it is a female body, right? But, it's but weird, just call yeah. it the mannequin. It's an yeah. inanimate object. Or it. Yeah. The salesman is rubbing her in a creepy ass way. This Thaddeus has some real dark issues. 
He does. And you have to imagine, because I didn't put together at this point that the thing they, that the model of Harriet was for the store as a mannequin. Like I didn't, I didn't realize that. So I'm like, what is this random shit that's creepy? And now is going to like serve as this like platform for Nels to put a body in a bag. But like, don't you think that the director trolled us here? Because they stayed a little too long on him smiling weird and rubbing that mannequin. It was super weird. Like, I don't know what William Claxton is doing. This is a family show, dude. Um, hashtag Amy's copyright laws. I did video <laughs> this. I'm putting it in the Mimi base. It's creepy. Yeah. Okay. So long story short, Nels gets a mannequin and a body or in a body bag, essentially, like a big bag. Okay. Carl Jr. and Laura come sneaking in and they see Nels putting the mannequin in a big bag. It looks like he has a body in there. And of course he's saying things like she won't fit in there. Looks like I'll have to put her legs somewhere else. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Later at school, Carl Jr. wants to pretend they never saw anything. (laughs) Carl is super gaslighted slash brainwashed. Like, it has worked. He's like, if everyone's just saying it didn't happen, let's just pretend it. I'm like, oh, this is how that happens. (laughs) They're chatting when Willie calls them over and confides in him that he believes them about his father chopping his mother's head off. Again, I repeat, he is acknowledging that his father probably cut his mother's head off. No emotion emotion. at all. Mm -mm. No emotion. He tells them he heard Nels digging all night under the cellar? In the cellar. In the cellar. Okay. Willie, Where where is under the cellar? My question was, like, how do you dig under a cellar? (laughs) You can, but... Okay, Willie shows them the bloody apron and then tells them they need to look in the cellar because, Jen, he's too uh, scared. Did he say he's scared? He's kind of scared. And it even did it on the clock. First of all, the the apron is, that is superficial evidence. Or circumstantial evidence. Yeah. That is circumstantial evidence. And nobody thought it looked like sauce or smelled it or. There was DNA proof on that apron. There was circumstantial evidence. Nels is going to get off. In school, they're discussing what it means to be a good citizen. And here's the list. And. The list comes via Mary, Nellie, I think, right? And then some 30-year-old woman in the back. (laughs) I'm going to just read this list with zero commentary. Here's what it means to be a good citizen. You pay your taxes. He pays his taxes. They use he. He pays his taxes. He runs for office. Miss Beetle says, well, maybe, but that's optional. And he obeys the law. And then Willie says, if a good citizen has witnessed a crime, he must report it. He must report it. And then I wrote, but there's no sheriff. So who do you report it to? You have to mail a letter to a sheriff. You're (laughs) fucked. Crime's running rampant. There has to be somebody who's like the town head or something that has some kind. Who would you tell? I would tell Hanson. I would too. (laughs) Because I feel like he's like the mayor. (laughs) Like, I feel like he's the closest thing they have to an official. Well, it depends. It depends. If I've had a little wine in me and I'm feeling good, I might go tell Charles. Are you Laura's age at this point? No, it would be me. Oh, you in Walnut Grove. You'd already be dead. Like, (laughs) season one, episode four, you'd be dead. The minute I had to go near a horse, I would cry. (laughs) 
<laughs> you want to last it. That night, Laura sneaks out to meet up with Carl's Jr. And, and I have two things to say. Number one, why are they meeting in a cemetery? Um, I don't know. Where is that cemetery? I guess it's the one that's by the school, it but it's weird because we've never seen it, like the full breadth of it. We've never seen that. Yeah, but why are they meeting in a cemetery? I don't know. Because why not? When you're going to look at a dead body, that's the perfect place to wait. <laughs> I guess. And number two, Carl's Jr. is dressed pretty snappy. He's got like, a big <laughs> hat on and like a big oversized coat. What's he doing? I don't know what he's doing. All right. They're waiting for Willie's signal. It's going to be a candle in the window. And I almost start singing candle in the wind. Well, you know that Laura snuck out of the house too. And Jack, silent Jack, didn't bark. Again, That's Laura sneaks out of the house. That, Jen. Because your dog was barking for Jack. My dog went crazy. Jack didn't bark, though. He literally didn't make a peep. Well, that's okay, because my dog, Nellie, barked enough for everybody. (laughs) Okay, so then there's, like, this owl causing a commotion over their heads, which, add that to the list of shit I'm freaked out. How many friggin' owls are there in Walnut Grove? Owls are scary. Inside the store, Jen, Nellie's hiding in the basement, and Carl's Jr. and Laura head over. Willie lets them in. <laughs> Willie gives them open can, open flame candles, because what could go wrong with people you intend to jump scare when you yeah, give them an open flame? Near a bunch of wooden boxes and bags. No big deal. Uh, they, Willie opens the cellar door, and they go down, and there's a bunch of delicious-looking fruit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Willie shows them a shovel and suddenly he tells them they have to like dig in this dark corner. Suddenly, like, okay, Nellie, I get it. You had a golden opportunity here, but this is the best you can come up with. Yeah, this was lame. She, she should have like put on a black wig and like, like white makeup. Like I would have come up with something mother. so diabolical. Laura and Carl's Jr. would have been institutionalized after my <laughs> Like She literally just threw a sheet over her and stood up and went, ooh. And scared the shit out of them. That was it. Yeah, it scared the shit out of them, but not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Okay. They run up and then they trap them. It, they, Laura and Carl trap Nellie and Willie in the basement. Love it. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then, who's outside, Jen? Harriet, because of course she's coming back in the middle of the night. She's coming back in the middle of the night and walking around the lit match. Yeah. So, Mrs. there's like a comedy of errors. Like, Mrs. Olsen comes in the house. They're all running away from each other, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, Laura and Carl's Jr. are like hiding, and the mannequin's behind them, and they discover this, and they freak out. And then the mannequin comes flying out. They run into Mrs. Olsen, and... Apparently, Mrs. Olsen just being bumped with a mannequin knocks her out unconscious. Knocks her. How the hell did she get knocked out? I don't um, know. I, did she faint? I, I, she got Maybe knocked out. Maybe she did. Because Nels is like, get me some water. She must have fainted. Nels hears the commotion, comes running down. Get me some water. Get me some water. And then we figure out what happens. Like Nels clears it up with Laura yeah. and Carl Jr. right there. And he's like, Nellie was supposed to talk to you. Nels is still stunned when he discovers Nellie didn't tell the truth. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> so then I'm laughing because Amy was trying to use another word and then she just left it out because she couldn't say it. 
I was trying to say duplicitous, which I think is right. <laughs> then you're like, let me try it again. And then you just leave it out. <laughs> All right. So in the meantime, somehow like Carl's Jr. and Laura have gotten a hold of this mannequin head. Yes. And they go to let Willie and Nellie out from the cellar, but instead decide to roll the head creepily down the stairs, which I thought was a better prank. They're flipping the script. I thought that was better. That was better. Yeah. So they should have dumped some spaghetti sauce on that head, though. Great. Nellie starts screaming as the head tumbles down the stairs. (laughs) And then we see Laura and Carl's Jr. run home. And while they're running home, they see a headless horseman ride by. What the hell, William Claxton? What the hell? And that horse, like, okay. If you're going to make an artistic decision to stick a headless horseman in an episode, have him ride by real fast so that you're not sure what you saw. Right. This guy yeah. hangs out. He's like, yeah, I'm hang out. out. Yep, just sitting there. Yep. What the hell, just man? My horse, whatever that this means. This is like William Claxton and John Hawkins should never work in television again <laughs> after that episode. That was terrible. Yeah, that was terrible. 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 All right. So that's the end of the episode. Um, I enjoyed it. I did. It was it was terrible in some parts. It was but like, terrible. It was fun to watch. <laughs> um, so we have a little segment that we do at the end of every episode, which is Jenny. Whose fault is this? This is William Claxton and John Hawkins' fault. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because they just wrote such bad characters. Like character lines, like Nels was so poorly written and out of character. In that, like, what could Nels, the character, actually even do? Like, he he was helpless to well, the script. I'm going to inject another ongoing segment into our regular segment. Oh Jesus! It's things that could be solved with open communication. Laura could I have thought- said to Nels, "Did you just cut somebody's head off?" And Nels could have said, "Oh my God, did you just see me cut that mannequin's head off?" Or Laura could have been like, is Mrs. Olsen dead? Yes. Yep. Okay. Or Nels, as an adult, could have realized and read the room. Maybe the maybe the, maybe the <laughs> segment is, how could this have been solved with reading the room? Yes. And realized that Laura was terrified at a point that she wouldn't be if she knew it was a doll. And put together that, oh, you know, I know I just cut the head off of a replica of Mrs. Olsen that had its back to you. So you probably didn't know it was a replica, but I didn't really kill Mrs. Olsen. I just cut the head off that man again. So my blame lies squarely on Nels. Really? Two reasons. Number one, why are you cutting the head off a mannequin, dude? It's because you don't know how to express to Mrs. Olsen your actual anger. Like, you let it all build up, and then you chop a head off a mannequin passive-aggressively. Like, you need to communicate with Harriet and tell her why you're angry. So I think I'm saying the same thing. I'm just blaming the bad writing of that character. But, yeah, it's Nels' fault. If if I have to pick at the character level, it's Nels' fault. Yes. Or is it Carl Jr.'s fault? It's always Carl Jr. (laughs) (laughs) Or is it the daddiest, the creepy mannequin salesman that he had to make a fucking mannequin that looks just like mrs olsen i have something to say about carl jr though why am i calling him that now (laughs) he uh he's not the best pick of a friend for laura 
Like yeah. he just he fuels her conspiracy theories. Like he's not this is not a good friend for her. Well, he's her lieutenant. I know, which is not no. Her lieutenant was what's his name, Jonah. Oh, Jonah, right? right, right. Yeah, but we don't know where Jonah is. We never (laughs) stopped him. So now Carl Junior is her lieutenant. Yeah, yeah, but he, uh, but he doubts her. They have to fight through it. But then he's like, then he's feeding her conspiracy theory. So he's not ride or die. He's just a bad influence. Not ride or die at all. He's like, let's just pretend this never happened. Because if he was ride or die, she would have been like, I saw someone's head. She, he'd be like, we're on this. Let's go figure out what happened. If you were ride or die, he'd be Edwards. Yeah. Yes. He'd, he'd be like, let's go figure out what happened. I told like, there would not even be a question. Charles could show up at Edwards' house and be like, I just saw somebody chop somebody's head off. And Edwards would be like, Point me in the direction. Let's go. Edward would be like, I'll go get my gun. Yeah. Like that's yep. it. He'd be gone. He's there'd amazing. be no, there'd be no, like, are you sure you saw that? Are you sure that's what you saw? No. Nope. He'd be like, where do we bury the body? <laughs> <laughs> Jenny, what would you do if I called you and said, I chopped Timmy's head off with an ax? Um, I'd be like, who is this? <laughs> I'm sorry. I think you have the wrong number. What number are you trying to reach? Wow. Okay. All right. All right. So at the end of every episode, Jenny and I look back on the episode and think about maybe a theme or a lesson or something we've gleaned from either watching it as kids that we feel we brought forth into adulthood or maybe something we picked up on the rewatch that we never noticed before. We call it our why, and it's designed to finish the sentence, Gen X, this is why. Oh, Jenny's yawning. Did you just get up? It's 12.53. (laughs) No. Jenny's only been up for an hour. Um, All right, Jenny, so what is your why for this episode? So my why is not that deep, but I think it's real. So Okay. uh, This is why we, meaning like Gen Xers, we're so impressed with HBO original series. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like when the Sopranos came out we had to be like oh my god like people can write good stories for television like television shows can be good like they don't have to be ridiculous and overly dramatic and like this is like real talent <laughs> Six Feet Under is an amazing show I love that show I loved it that was our favorite that was my favorite over the yeah. Sopranos yeah, yeah, I yeah. liked the Sopranos a lot, but that and then what other ones like Oz was it was Oz an early one? Yeah, I never saw that though. Dad loves that Joe. Yeah. Oh no, no, the Wire was Wire. the one he loved mm-hmm. with um, Noah from The Affair, which is yeah. Oh my God, you guys watch The Affair? It's amazing. Well, that's a little pokey. <laughs> Stop that's it. A little pokey, that Joe. Well, it's no Peaky Blinders. <sighs> but yeah. Okay. All right, so here's my why. This is why I was really fortunate to grow up in a neighborhood. Because Walnut Grove, when you think about it, the scale of it is kind of like a big neighborhood. Like, there's not a ton of people in it, even though they're spread out. Everybody knows everybody. It's super small. And it has the same feeling. And I wrote, in our neighborhood, we had stuff like this happen all the time. Like, hey, killed Mary, or this or that. And it was like you had this network of characters that even if they were bad, they all were still loved because they were part of the group. Like there was just this feeling of like, we are a group facing things together. I think that's what they call community. Yes. And I don't feel like, like I'm not raising my kids in a neighborhood. Yeah. 
Like that's I'm, true. Yeah, it's and that's something they're sorely missing. I feel like we talk a lot about our neighborhood as mm-hmm. kids. I mean, we're really lucky. We had, you know, we've said this before. We had what eight other kids in the neighborhood? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven mm-hmm. other kids in the neighborhood. So there were nine of us. And we yeah. were all pretty much around the same age. Roughly, yeah, all within like the same five year. Yeah. And we had a blast. Yeah. And you know, and someone there was always drama, like someone was always fighting with someone or someone wasn't talking to someone or whatever. Like it was rare that we were all getting along perfectly. <laughs> there was always like this lore too, like things that, you know, yeah. just happen. And this episode kind of reminded me of that, like this innocence of, you know, like no matter how much everybody hates Nelly, nobody's throwing her out of the town. Like everybody still protects her when they need to because right. she's part of the group. Do you remember when, we, and the worst thing though is like nine kids hanging out, getting bored. Oh, yeah. That's the most dangerous thing. Like I remember the one time, I know me and Jamie were involved. I'm sure Brian and Stephen were. And we decided as a game, because we were bored, we would play, let's lay in the street. Oh yeah, I was there. And then jump up and run when a car's coming. Yep. The last one off the street wins. Yeah. If I were one of those drivers coming up our street, I would have parked the car and beat the shit out of us. Yep. Could you imagine, like, yep. if you were going a little bit fast and, like, these, these kids, like, because it was kind of on a hill. I like, do it at night. It was at night. We were yeah. under the street light. Yeah. yeah. I would have fucking killed us. <laughs> then our parents saw us and freaked out. And that's another <laughs> thing. Like, a lot of our parents were friends. Yeah, they were friends. It yeah. was just a really nice community. And you don't have that today. You just at least, at least, I mean, I'm sure it exists. It exists. I don't have it though. Just me personally. I'm sure people have it. I'm up in the country. Like we don't have that. And in some ways, I've said this before, in some ways it's better because I don't have my kids just kind of out of my sight somewhere. You know what I mean? I have to drive. We would all be going. And we would all be like running in and running in and out of each other's houses all the time. Like, like we would just walk into Brian and Steven's house and we would just walk into Jamie's house. Like we would just waltz in. Yes. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. That would have drove me crazy. That would have drove me crazy. Mm-hmm. I feel like we, they didn't really do that at our house. Not really. No. no. <laughs> kind of Jamie. <laughs> but we would just go through the back door and like, just walk into his house and be like, what's up? Everybody <laughs> has that one friend. Like we have those friends too. Um, our biggest fan, Ely. Like, we've always just been able to go over her house and just chill unannounced. You just drop by. Hey, what's up? Oh, so, like, when I come in for Thanksgiving, we could just barge into Ely's house. Ely would call you to come over. (laughs) I'm sure she would. We could go in her hot tub (laughs) and talk about content. (laughs) Jenny, why don't you tell everybody what's coming up next? Oh, shit. I don't know. Oh, unprepared. Here we go. So, we're doing journey into spring in the wake of his mother's death, a devastated Charles travels home with the intention of bringing his father back to Walnut Grove. Lansford Ingalls would rather commit suicide than continue his life with anyone. Meanwhile, with Thanksgiving approaching Mary and Laura aren't quite sure how to tell Carrie the truth about the Turkey they just purchased. Oh my God. There's a lot happening. In this episode. <laughs> Wait, let's break this down a little bit. That's a part one. So are you trying to tell me Charles needs me? He needs me. He's going to be sad in the next episode. He's going to be sad. Guys, I have an announcement about Charles. 
Okay. Starting to age and it's not it's not a good look. It's not that he's aging. The hair's getting up here. The hair's that he's getting closer to the 80s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you like Michael Landon aged quickly. Yeah, that's true. In those 10 years. I don't know like when he got sick. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That could have been part of that it. That was much later though, because he went on after this to do Highway right, to Heaven. I don't know, you know, when that occurred. But if you look mm-hmm. at him in the last season of Little House. Which is season nine. We're only on season three. Right. Still, that's only a span of nine years. Ten yeah, years. That's true. God. So, is that going to happen to me? Oh, my God. Is that happening to me? I'm praying every day. <laughs> um, like, as we've talked about, people just age super quick. Well, I think he was just getting close to the 80s, too, and he was doing that. Like, his hair was getting poofier and poofier. And- but I will still always love the character of Pa. Whatever. He's an amazing, amazing, amazing man. Dreamboat. Did you see the lunchbox? I saw the lunchbox. Why is everyone encouraging her? <laughs> that is a smoking hot picture <laughs> on the side of that lunchbox. How are kids <laughs> focusing on school with that going yeah, on? Because they're six. I, get, I don't know. You were in love with Charles Ingalls. I would have taken that lunchbox it. as a senior in high school. When you... Oh, oh yeah, you probably would have. You're right. Um, you you were not in love with Charles Ingalls when you watched this when you were like six. Mm, no. Not in the not. same way you are now. No, you're right. I, I No, not in the same way. <laughs> um, but, you know, it didn't take me too, too long to realize how handsome and hot he was. Okay. I was maybe 12, 13. Thought he was cute. Do you still have lunchboxes when you're that age? I would. I would take that lunchbox today to work. Well, that's different. I feel like now it's okay. Right. That would be ironic. Right. All right, guys. Um, Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy what you hear, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple iTunes. Every review helps new listeners find us and helps us find new listeners. You can connect with Jenny and me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at GenXThisIsWhy. Letter X, spell out the Y. We also have a Facebook group called the Mimi Bees, M-E-M-E-B. The link is on our Facebook page. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.